0: So glad to see all of you on this rainy day. Happy Labor Day weekend. I know our, our students and our teachers are excited to stay up late tonight and sleep in tomorrow. And uh, it is a blessing to have you all here together. This is wonderful. I don't take this for granted after the years that we've had to just have you all back together to fellowship, to hear the buzz in the room as you say hi. Uh, We're just so thankful for you, and we love what God has been doing uh, through you and through this church for all these years. We're very excited to be jumping into this new series that Pastor Wiles kicked off last week, talking about 1 Corinthians. So if you have a Bible, you can grab it or pull it up on your phone. The verses will also come up on the screen before uh, you. And for the next many weeks, we're going to be going through this book where Paul had traveled to the city of Corinth. He'd shared the gospel, the good news about Jesus. Uh, These young Christians are now believing in Jesus, but they come from a very difficult past, a very pagan city. So really, the whole book of Corinthians that we're going to be studying through is almost a book of reproof and a book of correction. They are a young church that has many things wrong. And oftentimes Paul is hearing about these problems that are going on. They're even criticizing Paul himself who had come to them and given them Jesus. And we are reading this letter, 1 Corinthians, as a response to those things. So as we read 1 Corinthians, we're kind of listening to one half of a phone conversation. If you ever hear someone talking on the phone and you're trying to predict what's going on on the other line or who is speaking or what they are saying, that's kind of what's happening here in 1 Corinthians. They go through all these topics of what is wrong. And one of the things that they're critiquing Paul on and that they're wondering about in this very young church is that Paul didn't really come with very eloquent words or with power, and they're critiquing him, and they're wondering about that. And they're saying, man, these other people that are saying things contrary to Jesus, they seem a lot more powerful. They seem a lot more elite They seem a lot more eloquent than you, Paul, so maybe we should believe that and not you, Paul, and that's what we're going to be jumping into today in chapter 2. Let's pray and ask God to speak to us through this passage. God, we thank you again for this opportunity to be together as a church. Lord, what a privilege to come and read your words to us together. Lord, we know that there's something supernatural that happens as we read your word and we have an open heart, a surrendered heart to you. Lord, you can speak to us through your spirit individually in a way that's far beyond what we can even describe. We thank you for that. We thank you that you've been doing that through mankind for all these years, speaking to us through your scriptures. And we ask that we would partake in that again today. Open our hearts to hear from you. Challenge us, Lord. Encourage us and help us in our walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was thinking about this teaching and preparing, talking about the power of God, I was thinking about my days as a physics teacher. Um, I used to be a high school science teacher Uh, And for four years, I taught physics. That's my backup plan if this ministry thing doesn't work out, just to let you know. Little joke there. Um, And one of the things that you learn in physics and one of the most basic things quickly you learn is about simple machines. Are you guys getting triggered from science class? Do you remember simple machines? Okay, here's a picture. I'm only going to spend about 30 minutes on this, so just (laughs) buckle up for a moment. This is really what gets me excited in the morning. Uh, You know, levers, inclined planes, and pulleys. Do you remember all these things, learning about this? What a great invention. What an amazing thing to learn. And what is really the point of these simple machines is these things were invented to work smarter and not work as hard. that's That's the slogan, right? That's a saying, work smarter, not harder. You can apply maybe 10 pounds of pressure with a simple machine, but lift up 50 pounds with a pulley or a a lever, you put that fulcrum in the right place and you, you pull that two by four down and it can lift a heavy stone that you couldn't lift on your own without this simple machine. Isn't this exciting? You want me to get some math going here too? That would be really cool. But these simple machines help us do more than we could do on our own. They multiply our work. My wife, I've shared with you, she loves fixing up homes. And and for many of you men and women that love fixing things, you like doing jobs, you like working with your hands, how much do you enjoy and love your power tools, right? Those are pretty important. You have the right tool for a job. It can make your job so much simpler. Why? Because they give you more power than you have on your own. So these simple machines, these power tools multiply your work. Now, why am I sharing that with you this morning? To think about this in a spiritual way. We're wanting to do things with God. We're wanting to do things for God. And Paul is reminding here that this isn't simply about your power. This isn't just about the talent that God's given you or this effort that you bring, but God has a spiritual power, a power tool to multiply our spiritual work far more than we can do in our own lives. So when we think about these spiritual things in our lives, that it isn't just about this material world, it's not just about the secular things in life of just just try really hard and it'll work out. God is talking about us Overcoming sin. He's talking about us experiencing Him in deep ways. He's talking about us using our words and our life to actually help someone else come to know Jesus. These are very important spiritual tasks. And we need the simple things of prayer. We need the power tool of God's Spirit to accomplish these jobs, to accomplish this mission far more than what is in ourselves. Speaking of school and teaching and everybody back to school, I read a cartoon recently, and it's a message from the principal standing in front of his, his, uh, his students, and he says, work smarter and not harder. But for those of you that are not smart, it's okay to just work hard. <laughs> it's kind of funny, isn't it? I shared that with my wife yesterday, and, uh, and she said, well, what if you're not smart and you don't work hard? I was like, well, that's, that's a good question. You're maybe going to be on the struggle bus in life. But we talk about working smart, but we also talk about working hard. But all of these things are from God. He gives us the, the spiritual wisdom. He gives us the talent. He gives us the effort. Everything is coming and flowing from the grace of God to accomplish spiritual things. And it's so easy for us to forget that. We think, well, this is my talent. This is my effort. If I do this, A, B, and C, I will accomplish this. And there's no power. There's no supernatural uh, part to it. And we're just kind of functioning on our own. And God wants us to be reminded of this. Here's the big idea for this morning that we want you to take away. Working wisely in the kingdom of God means we rely on his power and not only our own talent and effort. Think about the things that God's whispering to you that he wants you to accomplish in his kingdom. Again, your own uh, sanctification, your own purity, your own intimacy with God, maybe some people in your life that he wants you to affect relationally. Don't just depend on coasting. Don't just depend on your own talent and effort, but ask God, how is your power manifested through this in my life. So let's jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But as you'll see here, uh, this chapter 2, which these are not like divine, uh, you know, separations in the chapters when the scriptures were, were written through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We put in these chapter separations, and Paul begins chapter 2 with, and so... But we're going we're to go back to the verse right before that, which is at the end of chapter 1, so that we know what Paul is referring to when he says, and so. And the verse in 1 Corinthians one thirty one says this, Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. That's the end of chapter 1. Let the one who boasts, let the one who wants to talk things up, not talk themselves up, But boast in the Lord. And now we begin in chapter 2. And so, Paul is referring to the previous verse. It was with me, brothers and sisters, as he's writing to this Corinthian church, when I came to you in Corinth, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. That's the passage that we're settling in on this morning. Paul was answering this question to the Corinthian people after he had led them to the Lord and this little church is growing and he's moved on to another city and he's hearing what's going on there and there's boasting going on. There's pride. There's these emphasis of these other human beings that really seem to know what they're talking about and they're diminishing what Paul did and he's saying, look, I didn't come to you just to be eloquent, to convince you with some persuasive argument. All I wanted to talk to you about was the power of the cross, the power of Jesus, God's power in the Holy Spirit. And so he begins this passage referring back again to let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. If you were to look in your Bible, uh, oftentimes uh, it'll be highlighted or it will be Italicized or it will be indented because it's quoting an Old Testament passage. If you ever come across that in your Bible as you're reading and you see these different fonts, it's typically you look at the footnote and it's referring back to an Old Testament passage. So Paul is talking to the Corinthian people and says, Hey, We don't boast in ourselves. We boast in the Lord because that comes from Jeremiah chapter 9. And here's what it says in Jeremiah chapter 9 that Paul is quoting. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me. That's God." to know god that i am the lord who execute or i'm sorry who exercises kindness justice and righteousness on earth for in these things i delight declares the lord Paul is reminding them of what the prophet Jeremiah said is that we don't boast in our own wisdom. We don't boast in our our physical strength, our emotional strength, in our riches, in our talent, and all the things that we've done. Me, 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 look at what I've done and look how amazing I am and look how much better I am than all these people and all this success in my life is because of me. And if you kind of live like I live, you will be powerful also. And Paul is saying to the Corinthian people, This is not godly. This is not how we walk with the Lord. And this is our first point. We bring attention to the Lord's power. You and I are called to bring attention, not to ourselves and what we've done, but in God in us, in Jesus dwelling in us and how he's changing us and how he's helping us. And, and we bring this, this telescope, we bring this, this focus with our world to God's power, a mirror to reflect the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, holding all this universe together, working, pouring out His grace on mankind, and that everything we could ever consider or be tempted to boast about really comes from the Lord. The Bible says every good thing and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Think about that. Every blessing in our life, everything about us, our, our, our humanity, our, our healing uh, ability in our own bodies, the things that we can do physically, mentally, spiritually, in our creativity, all these things are from our Heavenly Father that He gives us. When we think about the Lord's power, sometimes we're not always seeing it manifested in our life, and we're asked to question that sometimes. We're like, well, how's God's power manifested in me? And oftentimes we're just going through life very distracted, and we don't see God's power. But it's important for the Word to remind us of this, this immensity of God. And I believe that if this whole, you know, look around this this, uh, Building Right now, look at how big this room is up in the balcony to the left, to the right, forward and back. And imagine this whole room is filled with the power of God. I believe that you and I barely have a little teacup full of God's power. If we had a little teacup of God's power and we said, wow, I'm kind of experiencing the power of God and he's helping me in my marriage and he's helping me in my life to overcome sin and he's answered a couple prayers here and I read the word today and it really helped me. We're literally holding a teacup of all that God has for us in this gigantic room of God's power. That's how untapped it is in any of our lives. That's what the scripture says. And God says, do you want more of me? Do you want me to do more? Could I I overflow your teacup with my love that goes beyond, that surpasses our knowledge, our capacity? God, could you pour out a power in my life that goes way beyond this teacup? It's just overflowing with God's power and presence and love and, and this, this power tool of the Holy Spirit that does way more work, way more than we dream about. And maybe we just have half a teacup and we're like, I'm, I'm pretty good. This is good. I, I can handle this and I, and I like this. And we need to be reminded of the power of God. We move on in this... Uh, Next part, in verse 1 it says this, when he says, and so it is with me. This is the amazing Apostle Paul, through the Holy Spirit, he wrote much of the Scripture. I mean, all through the Scriptures in the book of Acts, he's doing amazing things. I mean, we look at Apostle Paul as this pillar, and look what he says about himself. And so it was with me. I'm not boasting in myself. I'm boasting in the Lord. He says, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul had amazing accomplishments in his life. And in other parts of Corinthians and in other books, he writes his little resume that's outstanding. His past, his education, his experience, all the sufferings that he went through. And you know what he said about all that? He said, it's rubbish, it's trash, it's nothing compared to me just knowing Jesus. Man, I love that. I love to hear, when in our minds, this powerful, influential man saying, I didn't come with eloquence. I didn't come with anything. I just wanted to tell you about the power of Jesus. So number two is we don't focus on our own eloquence, but on the power of the cross. Paul's saying, I didn't want to come to you with my own talent and convince you with this worldly wisdom. I just wanted to tell you, There's nothing more powerful in this world than God himself coming to this earth, deciding to lay down his life on a cross, to die on that cross for your sins. And if you believe that and you say, Jesus, I'm all in. I want to walk with you the rest of my life. That's a game changer. You're going to spend eternity in heaven. All your sins are wiped away in that moment of faith and dedication to raise your hand and say, Jesus, wherever you go, that's where I want to go. That's the gospel. And, G- and, and Paul is saying, all I wanted to tell you was Jesus on the cross. He died for our sins. He rose again to prove he was God. And there is so much power in that. When he comes and resides in us, he changes everything. Paul was always talking about this, this effectual preaching just about Jesus, that the power of God, the Spirit, that this action that we give is is so small and this heart surrendered that we offer to Him that's so small, it gets multiplied by the Spirit of God because of what He wants to do and be magnified in our lives. It's hard for us to think that, that we're small. It's really hard for all of us to, to go through life with a, a humble posture. I think as we go on in life and we have more experiences and we have more uh, success, uh, maybe this is true, maybe not. I feel it in my life. I'm actually finding it more and more difficult to not be grumpy, to not be agitated, to not be annoyed. I feel pride coming into my life more and more as I get older. When I was younger, I thought, man, as life goes on, I want to be more and more humbled. And I'm actually finding that temptation to be more prideful, more judgmental, more irritated. You encounter things in life and you're like, wow, now I'm seeing even more so, it's hard to love. It's hard to love people. And if you've ever encountered that type of thing in your life, These kind of verses give us encouragement, and they give us hope. He says this, as we read on in verses 3 through 5 now, I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. We've been talking about a lot, this, a lot of this topic with our staff and with our, our churches and our network and, and what's going on in American Christianity where we can look up to this certain pastor. We can look up to these certain leaders. We look up to these men and women, and maybe they're, they're more of a father figure in our life than they actually should be or a mother figure, and we look up to these people, and the Scriptures remind us We should only put Jesus on that pedestal. We should only be looking to God. And and Pastor Wiles shared that last week, of even the the theology of us having many different people come up and stand up here and preach to you, is that you might not look to us and be like, oh, I want to be like Matt or Brian or Kent or Matthew someday when I'm an older Christian. No, want to just be like Jesus. At all seasons of your life. Even the Apostle Paul, who we could admire so much. I mean, this is an amazing passage. He says, I came to you, he doesn't say, like, with all my experience and my power and my strong words. He says, I came to you in weakness, with fear and trembling. Really? Is that something you admit to people? I'm afraid. I'm trembling. I'm not sure how this is going. I'm, I'm, I've got some anxiety in my life. I've got my own weakness and brokenness. Why would you admit that to the people you're trying to affect? Because he didn't want them following him. They didn't, he didn't want them following Apollos or these other disciples. He wanted them to follow Jesus. And the third point is this. God's power is evident in our weakness I don't like feeling weak any more than any of you. But the Bible says that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. When we have struggles, we can be open about that. When we have temptations, we can admit that. When we're a little fearful and God's saying, I want you to step through that fear and obey me in this area of life, He's saying, that's right where I want you because you will depend on me more. God's power is is evident in our lives, in our limitations. And that's a good thing. Later on, he's talking to the Corinthian people, Paul. And he's telling them about this ailment or struggle or sin. We don't know what it is. Lots of theologians have speculated about what Paul's thorn in the flesh was that he's referring to, a physical ailment or some temptation that just you know, rode him his whole life. We don't know. We don't need to know. But we do know this. He says to the Corinthian people, I cried out to God many times, God, please take this away. Would you heal me? Would you change me? Would you transform me and get me over this? He pleaded with God. He cried out to God to change. And God said this to him in in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Three times, I begged the Lord to make this suffering go away. But here's what God said to Paul. But he replied, My kindness is all you need. My power is strongest when you are weak. So if Christ keeps giving me his power, I will gladly brag about how weak I am. Yes, I'm glad to be weak or insulted, or mistreated, or to have troubles and to have suffering if it is for Christ. Because when I'm weak, I am strong. That's an amazing thing that goes beyond this world's wisdom. That doesn't make a lot of sense to the world when the world says, don't be weak, hide your weakness, lie about your weakness, fake it till you make it. You can do this. You have it within yourself. You know, rise up, follow your heart, and and you've got this power inside of you that's just of yourself. The worldly wisdom is set aside when Paul is saying, I cried out to God, and he said, my grace is all you need. Another translation says, my grace is sufficient for you. When you're weak, I get to show off my power in you. And that's why we're glorifying God. That's why we praise God. That's why we talk about the troubles and the struggles that we have. Because as we brag about our brokenness or we talk about our struggles, it's an opportunity for God's power to be shown. Speaking of this power of God, there's this example in the Gospels where the disciples were trying to understand why they didn't have more power. And as we close out this teaching, I want to talk to you about something practically about experiencing God's power and how we we get that. And the disciples had this situation where they were trying to cast this demon out of this young boy. And there's this spiritual battle going on. And the disciples are trying to pray with faith. They're trying to speak in the name of Jesus to make some spiritual thing happen to help this young person. And they're not able to do it. And Jesus comes along and casts this demon out of this young boy and changes his life, obviously. He was in spiritual trouble. He was in physical trouble. And the disciples are blown away. And they say to Jesus, how in the world do you do that? How how is how can we have this power that you're asking us to have? And Jesus says this kind comes only through prayer and fasting. That's what Jesus shares with them. He says you want to experience more power? You want to get that teacup a little bit more overflowing? You want to use the simple machines where you can lift something that you didn't think you could lift before? I can give you the power tools to accomplish these spiritual things, but it starts with prayer. It starts with you crying out to me. It starts with us fasting. And that's a simple spiritual discipline where we miss a meal or we give up something to kind of remind us of this emptiness within us so that we might be more spiritually hungry. We talk about the well, this, this spiritual thirst that we have that reminds us of something that we need Jesus. And all these spiritual disciplines of reading the Word, meditating on the Word, memorizing a verse... You know, the Bible encourages us, man, I've got this thing in my life. And God says, well, here's a verse that can speak to you on that. Why don't you memorize that and think about that and chew on that all day? Why don't you pray and say, Jesus, help me in this area. And this kind of prayer and this kind of fasting and this kind of spiritual discipline can increase the power of God in our Lives. I was talking to a person recently uh, in this last year, and they were asking me about this. I'm not experiencing the power of God in the way that I want. And I started to draw them out of, when in your past have you experienced the power of God? And this older lady was saying, well... I can't really maybe think of any times when God's really come through for me. And I I just kept drawing her out because I just sensed there was something there. And all of a sudden, she started to list these times where God has come through for her. And I saw her faith being built up. And then the real light bulb moment was she she said, I remember this one time I was having this trouble with my neighbor. And I was really upset about it. And I didn't know what to do. And I felt as I prayed, God was saying, just knock on his door. And I'm like really intrigued in this story that she's sharing with me. And and she said over and over again, I was just so upset about this relationship. I'm so upset about this person and this neighbor in my life. And it's just bothering me. And she kept praying and God just kept saying, just knock on the door. And she's like, well, God, what am I going to say? I'm not going to just go up to somebody and knock on the door. That's weird, you know. And she just told me over and over. I just kept hearing, knock on the door. Well, one of her relatives came over to visit her and and said, hey, what's going on in life? And how's it going? She's like, I'm just really upset about this situation. And she told this other relative the whole situation. And the relative said, why don't you just knock on the door? And she's like, oh, whoa, okay. I thought I was hearing God before, but now I have this confirmation. God is speaking. And she was really just moved. She said, you know what? I know this is God, and I'm just going to go. I don't know what I'm going to say. She knocks on the door with this troubled relationship, with this troubled neighbor. The door opens, and the neighbor begins to cry. And she said, what's wrong? And he said, how did you know to come right now? And she's like, I don't know what you mean. And he said, my wife just went into the hospital with a very serious illness, and I thought you were coming over to help me or to pray for me. And this woman telling me this story, she's just crying. It's like, wow, God, God, you told me to just knock on the door. And she sensed God's presence in this. And it moved this man and it moved her heart and it brought them closer. And she said, what can I do for you? Can I make you a meal? And he said, that would be so wonderful. And she made him a meal. And God Brought this relationship. God said, Just knock on the door. Just ask me, What should I do? Jesus, help me. And as we walk in obedience to these moments of prayer, we see God's power. Say, God, now I know what you were doing. Now I understand. And these moments of prayer alone with God, listening to Him, being sensitive to His Spirit, can change our lives. And that's what God is wanting. The great pastor and theologian, John Wesley, who uh, was the beginning of the original Methodist Church, the founder of the Methodist Church, said this, I have so much to do that I spend several hours in prayer before I am able to do it. We have so much to do. Our to-do lists are so long. There's a lot to accomplish I have so much to do that I spend several hours in prayer so that we can accomplish the mission that God has for us. Would you spend a little more time with the Lord this week? Use the power tools, use the simple machines to really let God multiply what he's trying to do in your life. Let's pray for that.